there's this time in middle school when I was in science class and we were taking a test. And there's this kid sitting behind me. His name was Daniel Para. Um, he was very obviously cheating on me during the test. And for whatever reason, I just let him cheat. I would like slide. I didn't even know this kid. I just slid my paper in a way that he could very easily see it. And went on to the test. I felt pretty confident. And then he submitted it first. But then after he submitted it, I was like, oh, shoot. Like, um, I, think, I think I should change one of my answers. But like, and for some reason, I was like conscious of him. So I was like, ah, whatever. He, like, he deserves a lower grade anyway. Like, I deserve this better grade. So I changed my answer. I got that one wrong. He got a 92 and I got an 88. And he looked at me. He was like, yo, John, thanks so much, bro. And I was like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, I share the story just because I think, like, <laughs> in my mind at the time, the glory was mine. It was mine to be had. I studied, I did well, and yet, for some reason, or not for some reason, I know the reason, but he, someone else came in after me, and he did better than I did, and he got a better grade. Um, and I think that story kind of paints a similar image that we have for uh, our two characters in this story, but in this passage. And uh, we'll read a little bit more about that. But I think to give a context of what we're going to do, so Joe's off for six weeks, as we all know. And in the coming two weeks, we'll have two guest preachers, but then the three weeks after that, it'll be me. So I thought that this would be a nice time to uh, try a sermon series, the first that I've ever done. So I wanted to look at um, David and Saul. So not when David was king yet, and not when Saul stopped being king. But um, I think this passage is a very good primer to the following passages that we will read um, because I think it really, it really reveals the type of people that both King Saul and David was at this time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do for the next six weeks. I don't, I don't know what the, the two guest preachers are going to speak on the next two weeks. I told them they can do whatever they want um, for better or for worse. So Yes. Like I said, our two characters today are David and Saul. And if you've noticed, the main focus in our passage is on Saul, not so much David. Um, but it's funny because Dave, uh, Saul's focus was all on David, but our focus is kind of on Saul. So kind of, if you don't know much about our characters, I'll give a brief rundown of who they are. So Israel Right, we read about them sometimes in the past. Israel, they had no king before when they first created, or first became a nation of their own. And instead they had judges. And judges were people that heard the voice of God and they communicated it to the people and they said, hey, you guys are doing wrong. Change your ways or else this will happen. And that system kind of worked, but then the people saw that every other place had a king. So they were like, hey God, we want a king. And God was like, are you sure? But they were like, no, God, we want a king. Give us a king. This guy was like, okay, if you say so. So the Bible says there was this one guy who, the <laughs> Bible explicitly mentions that he was handsome and tall. He said he was so tall that his shoulder was taller than everyone else. So probably at least six foot. So he was handsome and tall and he was a good guy at the time. And God said, this guy will be the first king of Israel. And his name was Saul. Um, he started off pretty good. He started off with God's presence and he was doing well. 
until, I won't go too deep into the details, but until he eventually started to stray away from God and it, it came to be revealed that he actually was not, uh, he did not have God's interest in his mind. And in the end, God's presence left Saul and sometime later, Israel was in a battle with the Philistines and the Philistines are generally the bad guys in the Old Testament. So the Philistines came and they had an even taller dude on their team named Goliath. Okay, so Saul, not having the presence of God anymore, he was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. This guy's huge. And then little David comes and he's like, I have this thing. And then kills Goliath, cuts his head off, circumcises all the guys. Oh. And then he comes home. And this is our passage today. Um, the start of our passage is David having so much success with everything that he did. He killed Goliath, he defeated the Philistines, and he came home. Um... So we can read in our passage that Saul is very no happy, no happy soul. But I think Saul's actions in our passage today reveals several questions that we can ask him. Um, several questions that we, when we ask him, maybe we can even ask ourselves. So um, the first question that I want us to look at or the, we want us to consider is whose kingdom was Saul actually seeking? Whose kingdom was Saul seeking? So in verse 8, I'll read it again um, in our passage, verse 8. So Saul was very angry. This saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? Um, I always thought this passage was funny because um, the people were singing about two people, two other people, right? And I, how could they make these lyrics like sound nice, like, oh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And then Saul is getting so mad, right? He's so mad that in his mind, he's like, these people are singing that I've only killed thousands. And then he says something very interesting. He says, what more can he have but the kingdom? I think for someone to say that, that must mean that in their mind, there is nothing better, having, better to have than the kingdom. And being the king, it's expected that he should have it. But for some reason, he was feeling like he was losing grasp of his own kingdom based on this one troll song that these people were singing. Okay, but when he was... Um, when he was anointed king, when God anointed him as king, right? God basically put him king over the kingdom, obviously. And I think when I read this passage and when I think of Saul's um, situation, there is, and maybe this came to you too, but there is one verse in the New Testament that Jesus says that comes very obvious to mind, um, which is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, but Saul, seeing that people were singing about someone else, is very clear that he was not seeking the kingdom of God, but rather he was seeking the kingdom of Saul. <laughs> um, and now when we hear this question, seek for the kingdom of God, who, what is the kingdom of God? Right, is it heaven? No. Is it? I, okay, I think the kingdom of God is actually us. We are the kingdom of God because we are God's people and we belong in the kingdom of God. 
So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, who is God's righteousness? It is Jesus. Right? Seek first. So seek for God's people. Seek for Jesus. And all these things will be added unto you. And I think in the context of Jesus saying that, he was saying, if you're anxious, if, if like, don't worry about what tomorrow will bring, for tomorrow will worry, about, will, will worry about itself, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And Saul's like, but my people, you know? So who is the king, what is the kingdom of God? It's us. But what is the kingdom of Saul? <laughs> I think it's just him. Right, because clearly the people are not on his side anymore. And the only one who's with Saul at this point is basically Saul. Not even God is with Saul. Um, what I find funny and interesting is God called Saul handsome, tall, and a freaking king of Israel. Right? If God said you're handsome and tall, you better believe it. I would hope you believe it. Right? But despite that, what was Saul so caught up in? He said, oh, but these people love this kid more than me? Right? Saul was upset that people were just like singing songs about someone else rather than how great he was. Despite hearing from the creator of the universe himself that he was the way he was, you know, specimen, as they say. And I think for us, when God calls us his people, right, God says, you are my child. You are my beloved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are tall and handsome, <laughs> king, queen. That should speak to us when we have moments of Saul, Saul-itude. <laughs> that should speak to us when we have moments of self-doubt and maybe even self-hatred, um, self-anxiety. And I know, obviously, that's easier said than done. Right? That, that doesn't just, like, oh, you said, you said these things, so fixed, you know, I'm healed. But I want us to at least consider, and I... I, and I uh, even if, yeah, I, I want us to at least consider God only chose Saul to be a temporary king over Israel and he said these things. Um, but being a temporary king over Israel was still a big deal and even still his presence left Saul. But for us, for us, how much more, how much bigger is it that we are children of God that he promises that he will never leave us? That no, we're not kings. Right? We're not tall and handsome. Like, I'll, admit, I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> but God promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that is something that was not available to Saul. So how much more, um, how much greater is that just being a child of God? And that's something I just want us to consider. Um, but bringing it back to our passage and our point, Saul, like I said, Saul was seeking his own kingdom, but not the kingdom of God. And that is why he felt so personally attacked. He felt so personally uh, accused, so afflicted when David came home. He was, he was upset. He was pissed off. So the second question that I think we can ask Saul based on his actions is, who was he actually seeking? 
Right? The first question was, whose kingdom was he seeking? And the second question is, who is he seeking? Um, in verse 13, I'll read that again. It says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. I'll read that again. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Uh, if you have joined us in our Jonah small group, you may uh, have known this, but in the last time we read our chapter, something that we talked about was the difference between Jonah and the Ninevites, which was the people that he was preaching to, was that the Ninevites called God Elohim, which literally means God, right? Even though the Ninevites repented after Jonah preached to them, the Ninevites said, okay, this is Elohim, this is God. So we will do what we can to appease God, and it worked. Jonah, even though this kid was like a meme, meme lord supreme, he called God Yahweh, which in the Hebrew is the covenant name for God. Both names address the same person. And actually the Ninevites responded better to God than Jonah did. But the very stark difference is that the Ninevites recognized God as a God or some God, but Jonah recognized God as my God. This is the God that I have a covenant with. Um, and I think that difference is a very similar difference to what we see between Saul and David. Okay, and what I mean by that is, I think David was very, very relational with God. And we will read more about that later, but um, David is very, very relational with God. Saul, on the other hand, was transactional with God. Um, what does it mean when I say that Saul was transactional with God. So we read that Saul was scared from this verse. Saul was scared that uh, he saw that David had the Lord, but the Lord was not with him. And I don't think Saul was scared because he was admiring David's faith. He was like, oh man, look at this guy. He's such a man of God. I want to be like him. No, I think he was, um, I think he was more so afraid that David now had this benefactor on his side that he didn't have anymore. And this reminds me of, you know, like Jafar from Aladdin. And all he could think about when he saw Aladdin was, this kid has the freaking genie, and I, I want the genie, not anything else, because the genie equates to power, which I want. Um, so Saul sees David with God, and he's like, man, I became a king because God put me here? That means uh, one plus one equals three. David's going to be king next. And that scared him. He's like, oh, first the people love David more than me. Now he has God. This kid is the real deal. Um, and we, we will read about this in the coming weeks, in the coming chapters, but this eventually pushes Saul to uh, attempt to murder David multiple times. And we kind of see this in this passage here, but he didn't try to kill him. He just tried to pin him to the wall, but he failed. Um, but eventually Saul tries to kill David many times. And I think I think even their, Saul and David's reactions to each other, that's telling of their stance with God. Because Saul knew, he literally said himself, the Lord is with David. And yet he tried to kill David. Meanwhile, David, he had so many chances to kill Saul later on. But he refused to touch him because he said, I will not kill the Lord's anointed king. Um, even in that, even in murdering your arch nemesis, 
David considered the heart of the Lord, and Saul was only considering his own. Um, so, well, this is pretty short, <laughs> but as I said, Saul looked at David and he said, God is with him. I want what he has. And I think when we say something, I don't know if you've ever said this, but I, I know I have. But if we look at other people, maybe, and we're like, oh, I want my relationship with God to look like that person's. Because look at the life they live. Look at the kind of life they have. Right? So stress-free. So cool. I think that, that very innocent, very honest uh, thought is kind of a seed that spreads to um, a line of thinking that Saul had. And I'm not saying that's explicitly wrong. I'm, I just want us to be careful when we say things like that. When we say, oh, look at, look at their faith and look at what they have. Look at what they have because of their faith. I want it. Right? But rather, let's, let's adjust the wheel. Um, if you've ever thought this before, but let's adjust it to be like, look at their faith in God. Because look at God. <laughs> I want my relationship with God to be like that person's because look at God. Look at God and everything that he's doing, everything that he is, everyone that he is. Um, and I think that is something that Saul just did not have. That is the point that Saul just missed. Um, and this eventually led him down a trail of misery. And some people even say like psychopathy. Is that a word? Is that how you say it? Psychopathy? And yeah, I, I think I think we can we can definitely learn many many things what to do from David. We can just as much learn many many things what not to do from Saul. And our last point is Saul was appointed by God to be king of Israel, and he failed. He was the very first king of Israel, and God said, God said Himself. In another passage, I regret making Saul king. And the question that we ask is, who then can be king? If even Saul couldn't do it right, long, tan, and handsome Saul could not even do it right, who can do it? And if we were to look at the ways that Saul has failed, we need to consider someone who exemplifies seeking God's kingdom, we need to look at someone who exemplifies someone who is in perfect relation with God. And in, 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 even in those two ways, David fails later. And someone who does those things perfectly, someone who, um, yeah, no one but God himself. And God saw that no one can do it, and he said, then it has to be my son. And even that was not enough to, even just coming and just being God was not enough to save the sins because someone had to die for our sins. And it is for that very reason that he sent his son not just to come, not just to have a good time, but he sent his son to die. And um, because of that, we are able to avoid the mistakes that Saul made. Now, we can be able to seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. Now, we can be in relation with God 
right? We can, we can hear people oppose us. We can hear, I don't know, I hope not, but people singing like songs like this about us. And we can say, it doesn't matter. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto me. Little old me. Um, and yeah, as we read more about Saul and David later, I want this frame for us to be set. Um, just imagine the differences between Saul and David just because one sought the Lord, the other sought himself. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, how good are your mercies for us that you would even allow us to be able to seek you, um, to be able to pray to you, to be able to fellowship with one another. How good are you that you would even consider us and not only consider us, but you allow us to live um, well. You allow us to be surrounded by our amazing brothers and sisters at Crossway. I pray that our hearts would be turned to seek you. It wouldn't be turned to seek what you provide. It wouldn't be turned to seek the gifts that you bring, though they probably will come to our lives. But we, I pray that we would seek you. That in the cry of our hearts, when we're alone or when we were with people, we would consider, God, what do you want for my life? And you would show us what that means. You would show us what it means to be relational with you, to be more like you. And yeah, be with us, God. Be near to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.